0: Few people, but here we are. We're all you've got, so I need you guys to sing with me, please. Fill the church. Don't leave me hanging, okay? Let's get on up. Well, you might if you listen to Christian radio, but if you know it, sing it. Sing it to him, not me. give you what I can today, these scattered ashes that I hid away. I lay them all at your feet, from the corners of my deepest shame. stand for
1: Let's just pray right now. Here we go, um, Lord God. As we are here today, I, I thank you that Your presence moves not in whatever style of music we do in every week, but it, it just moves through our hearts and our minds and our lives. And so, God, just thank you for Your presence here already. It's a sweet spirit in this place tonight, today. And and so, God, just um, just touch us our hearts in a way that that we may have uh, never experienced. God, just um, bring this uh, realization of that um, this fresh air that we're going to talk about for the next several weeks that that we need a fresh air in our spirit, in our life, in just all areas. And maybe we just glorify you in the rest of this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. amen. All right. All right, say hello to somebody as our children are heading to our shoreline Sunday school. All right, here we go. All right, look at the person next to you and say, congratulations. You made it to Sunday after Easter. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, great. Great. I mean, we had an um, incredible Easter worship services. They were awesome. Hopefully everybody enjoyed those. And we were um, from our Good Friday service to um, the last Easter service. service there. Um, Just wanted to say to everybody who, um, a lot of times we don't recognize how much goes into that. It's not just me doing my thing. It's the worship team. It's the um, audiovisual team. It's the Sunday school teachers. It's the parking lot people. It's everybody, everybody, and many other people who I've forgotten, Um, sorry, Um, but you guys, I've forgotten to mention, but not forgotten. You guys did an awesome job. And most of all, you guys came out to worship the, the risen Lord with us, and let's continue that spirit of the risen Savior and Lord. So first thing I want to do is welcome anybody who's visiting today. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. I hope that you received the card. Um, if you visited before but never were able to receive that card, please go ahead, fill that out, and get that um, back to us because um, we want to um, make sure you're connected because who knows, maybe in June it may snow this year, so we don't know. Um, but um, we, we wanna, um, wanted to touch on that. Um, if you also check, we are um, beginning today our churchwide study on fresh air—it's called Fresh Air. Um, give me a second here. I'll show you what it looks like. Not fresh air, but the book. Um, so uh, the book is here. By um, it's a book by Chris Hodges. It's right here, and um, we have these still. And there's also a study guide that goes with it. We have how many small groups do we have roughly? We have like six small groups or so that are that are meeting. Um, Many of you who received the email about Right Now Media, um, the videos are on there, but we also will supply some of those if you have a small group or want to connect to those. So if you're interested, you can get, um, get this today, and we'd love to have you be part of our small group series as um, the messages are going to be uh, dealing with it for about the next six, seven weeks. So we want to make sure that you connect if you at all possibly can. Um, uh, the Footprints Ministry team is meeting today after church. Um, and then, um, so if you're interested in that ministry, which is people who just want to share Christ in the neighbor, are you meeting over here, or okay, in the in the classroom over there? Um, please be praying the prayer um, under Stephen Ministry, and then Parish Foundation next Sunday, April fifteenth. Okay, still some opportunities. So if you'd like to connect with Parish Foundation next week, go ahead, you can sign up um, and and do so. Um, you have an insert in here as well. Save a life with Narcan. On Tuesday, April 17th, here from 5 to 6 p.m., there will be a Narcan training. It wants people to arrive 10 minutes prior to the start time. So we'll have it right here. It's open to um, to the public. Anybody who would like to get and receive that training, please go ahead and attend that night. Christmas in April. Bob, I know you wanted to say something really quickly, and I'll put you on Becky's mic here.
2: That,
1: that's okay. Nope, it's not okay. There you it's go. not okay. i got to go. do, do it on the mic. Thank yes, you very much. You're welcome.
2: That was extra special, guys, the musical presentation this morning. Thank you very much. That was really phenomenal. I mean, start, starting to tear up a little bit at the last one. So th- thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Christmas in April this year will be on uh, April 28th. Uh, no special uh, uh, technique or anything required or any skills, just a willingness to help. Uh, we've got two projects we're going to do. One is a uh, fairly long rail. It's going to be a ra- double-sided rail, about 18, 20 feet long, uh, for a woman who's struggling with some mobility problems. And the other is uh, we're going to cover some windows uh, for someone who has a problem uh, with drafting coming into an older house. So I'm going to pass these around. If you know somebody who didn't get to it this week, and we'll do it next week, um, we just need to have some sort of a, of a uh, count before the 28th. So thanks for your help with that.
1: All right, great, great. And I believe now Johnny's going to come up. John White is going to come up and give another announcement, as you, those of you can see, and uh, um, hopefully you'll see it online too. There's, oh, you got, you got yours already? Okay, good. Uh, he brought, uh, had, had microphone, will travel. And so he'll tell you what these chains up around are.
3: Good morning, everyone. How you doing? Um, as you can see, we have some additions to the sanctuary here. I just wanted to do a quick uh, announcement on that. That is for our Haiti mission team. Um, and uh, it's going to be a fundraiser for our trip to Haiti this year and we're going to call it uh, the Chain uh, to Haiti fundraiser uh, for obvious reasons. You can see all the chain links up there. There's actually 1,441 paper chains up there which each chain link is going to represent one mile which is what the distance from here, Haven um, in Maryland to Haven in Haiti. Um, We're asking for your support. Um, You guys always support us and it's greatly appreciated Um, Each uh, donations will be accepted. Uh, We're asking for $10 donations per link. There will be members of the mission team at all three exit doors with a bucket or basket at the end of service. So any donations are greatly appreciated, Um, and we will be marking our progress. Um, As you can see, there's different cities and states showing our travel. Um, We're starting Maryland over here just for a visual, the bottom link of the chain Make your way around to North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and then the top link is our way back as we travel further south down to Florida and then eventually make our way to Haiti. Uh, Again, that's 1,441 miles. Um, So, any assistance there will be greatly appreciated and we'll be taking donations at the exit doors. Um, We'll be marking our progress weekly so you guys can have a visual and see our progress um, where we're at. Um, Donations will be put towards this year's mission trip. to get the team there, also to, um, we are in communication with Pastor Oog every single uh, week, to include myself, uh, Pastor Jack, and others. Um, We're going to continue the school project, which you guys have seen over last year's trip that we started, we're gonna continue that project, and more than likely, this is exciting, we're gonna start a church for them. So we may be doing a foundation for them, we're not sure exactly what we're doing, but we're potentially gonna do that, so (laughs) praise God for that. Um, so that's what the money's gonna be put towards, and also other ministries while we're there. Um, please continue to pray for this trip um, because not only the mission team members, and everybody's not here, but if you're going on this year's mission trip, do me a favor and just stand up for a second. Recognize the team. This is our team that's gonna be going this year. So so this is a team that's going to be there, boots on the ground, uh, doing the work. But again, as we mentioned last year and all the way through this year so far, this team cannot do it without your support back here. We need you guys here um, with any type of support, praying for us to make sure the team's safe, praying for the community in Haiti, praying for the church, so on and so forth. Um, And lastly, Pastor Oog, we just spoke with him yesterday. He wants to send his love to everybody here. He can't even express how much that this church here, as small as we are um, in the big world, how much help that we have done to that community is just phenomenal. So he wanted to uh, have me, on behalf of him and his community, express um, how appreciative they are. Okay? And we'll be uh, announcing there will be more fundraisers and events coming up as the months progress uh, up to our trip in August, and we'll be announcing them. All right? Thank you guys for your support and your prayers. Great. Thanks. Um,
1: One of the things is also... uh, yeah, have you ever seen, have you ever, like, put in, like, in Google Maps or something where you put to some places overseas and they get to the water and it says swim? Has anybody seen that? So I I, I don't want to swim that much, just to let you know. So if anybody wants to help out, it would be great. I was just thinking about that and then get to Florida and then swim to Haiti. I'm not doing it. Um, so love you, Pastor Ugg, but I don't have a swimming body. I have a sinking body. Okay. All right. So I, here we go. Um, we so um be definitely uh thank you for all one of the things I always say is um the this is our sister church, and everybody everybody goes with us we take everybody with us whether you in some way or fashion, and there'll be other opportunities for so many things um again it's one of these moments in life where you are able to uh really see like an incredible form of ministry, just application, and I never, if I had planned, if we had planned all this last year, it wouldn't have worked out, it was just a God moment, and, the, and just bask in the presence of God moments, it's awesome, and be, be part of it, so thank you all. Um, prayer requests, Mike Burdenka has, uh, Ray Caldwell has a roommate, um, and his, uh, Robbie, his daughter, Laura, recently lost an 18-year-old son in a blood disease, uh, and she's, She's just struggling with some um, answers with God and other kinds of things. Um, Joanna Shea asked for prayers for Donnie and his recovery um, walk that he's been uh, continually going through. Debbie Chadwick, um, Kitty and Debbie, uh, what, is, what is this saying? Who's we back at? Knee what, who is it? Kitty's, Kitty's having knee surgery, okay? Um, so we want to lift Kitty up in prayers. Um, and then who, what's that other name? Byanna. By uh, Chadwick is back at Calvert and needs to make some decisions. So we want to continue to lift her in your prayers as well. Jake Allen is asking for prayers for his great-grandmother, uh, Gertrude Tart, who is home on hospice care and um, congestive heart failure. So we want to lift her in prayers. Emily Hewitt asked for prayers for Rig and Sarah Mullen for healing for their bronchitis. So they're dealing with bronchitis. Um, Emily also asked for prayers for Taylor Day um, and Trish DeGrave and Tessa Smith, who are on the chrysalis um, weekend, the Chrysalis Flight, so we want to give them prayers. Prayer for um, Maddie Smith as she is uh, dealing with some um, mental health and some domestic violence issues. And then we have a praise here for Matt and Missy Arends. Uh You know Matt and, um, and Missy, um, they just had the birth of their daughter, uh, Harper Lynn, who was born on Thursday, and everyone is doing great. So, um, so we're, we're thankful to them, and I'm sure she's going to be a field hockey player. Because um, if you know if you know Missy, that's what she does for a living. Because uh, she's field hockey at University of Delaware. All right. Um, any other brief prayer requests that we need um, that we need to add on here today? Yes. Okay, Gloria Daniels, who's ninety, healing for pneumonia. Wow, amazing, amazing life. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer um, if we can. Uh, Heavenly Father, once again we come to you today. Just uh, thanking you for bringing us, giving us breath to get through another, to, to start another day, and giving us strength to get through another week, and, and that we can come and connect to you. Um, often after the resurrection celebration of Easter, we end up just kind of like uh, feeling like that that drop um, when actually we should feel a rise in our spirits as, as uh, your. Easter isn't one day; it's a it's a lifetime that we are a resurrected. We can celebrate a resurrected Lord each and every day of life. And so, God, there's so many prayer concerns and requests, and we lifted them all up to you. Whether people dealing with loss or people dealing with. Uh, sickness or um, any kind of uh, emotional struggle or what, whatever they may be, deal, be dealing with, God, we just ask that you reach out and you touch their hearts and their minds and their lives, but ultimately just draw, your, draw them closer to you. For Matt and Missy, who have the joy of having a child, um, and so, uh, God, I thank you for giving this little, um, this little child, Harper Lynn, in this family, that she is gonna come to know you through their, their love for you. And God, just, um, just surround them with healing and, and strength for mom and baby and, and dad and everybody involved, and for everyone else who, is, uh, who has something that they need to call on you for today. God, just as we're gonna say for the next couple weeks, just breathe that fresh air, breathe that fresh air into our lives so we can experience you anew, and we can get that strength that we need through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, at this point, let us just um, receive your tithe and our offerings and give your special anointing there as uh, we have so many things here, not only for ourselves, but whether it's parish Foundation or whether it's uh, Christmas in April or whether it's our trip to our sister church in Haiti, whatever it may be, God, just pass your Holy Spirit through this entire place. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, put your Holy Spirit on these gifts and multiply and use them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
0: you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be. run away you'll never find a home when he told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed when he told you you could be the one
2: Today's gospel reading comes from 2nd Timothy chapter 1 verses 16 through 18. May the Lord bless Oniferous and his family because he visited me and encouraged me often. His visits revived me like a breath of fresh air and he was never ashamed of my being in jail. In fact when he came to Rome he searched everywhere trying to find me and finally did. May the Lord give him a special blessing at the day of Christ's return and you know better than I and you know better than I can tell you how much more he helped me at Ephesus.
1: thinking this week um, as it was colder than I want it to be. Um, anybody uh, else there? Um, how how awesome it feels like. I, I, j- I also saw that if you look past a little bit into this week toward the end, like I think we're going to see 73 yeah. and like Friday and Saturday. That sounds good. And you guys want to save up those days and get out early on Friday and enjoy something. It's going to be sunny, you know, that orange ball in the sky that we haven't seen very much. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's just, I started thinking about how, like, one of the coolest times of the year is after you've been locked up in your, in your house, that first day where you, it's warm enough where you can throw open the, the windows and that breeze comes through, you know what I mean? Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that feel great? Um, and if you have a hammock, you can kind of go get in it and just, like, collapse and sleep somewhere. Um, or if not, you can do it at work. I don't know. Um... <laughs> So, but um, we are starting uh, a new uh, series today, and we're going to be doing this for about seven weeks, um, roughly. So it's uh, it's uh, going to be involved. I challenge you. You can get the book if you if you can't. I, I challenge you to get involved in a small group. If you can't, um, one of the things we do have the, the regular videos that you can participate with that as well. But we um, you're gonna you need the book and some other things. But we really want you to connect because I really believe that doing life together is an, is an amazing thing. Not just because it's the cool hip thing to do to have small groups and say we're a church um, of small groups and that kind of thing. That's, that's all well and good, but I just really believe life is better together. I honestly believe that in my heart of hearts because um, if you don't believe me, Jesus never sent anybody out alone, ever, 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 ever sent anybody alone. Um, he always sent them in pairs for a reason, um, and so we need that in life. So we are beginning this ser- series called um, Fresh Air, and I want you to look at this verse from 2 Timothy. It was read for us. Um, I want you to look at it again. And, um, and it says, may the Lord bless Onesiphorus. How'd you like to have that name? Um, and he, all his family. And look what he did. He visited me and encouraged me often. Now, how many of you would like to have, to be somebody like that or to have somebody like that in your life? Who visits with you a lot, and every time they do, they encourage you every time they see that. How many, how many feel like you may have somebody like that in your life? How many need a couple more Onisciverses, right? You need somebody who just is encouraging and visits. And then in the, um, the Living Bible translation, it says here, his visits revived me. Now, here, here I go with the Greek. The Greek term revived, I'm not jumping anywhere this week, but the Greek revived actually means re- recover my breath, help me recover my breath. His visits helped me recover my breath. Um, and, um, and we're like a fresh. A a breath of fresh air to me, you know, so, uh, yeah, and so it's awesome when we have those experiences, when we have those areas where it's just like, wow, like, we all get beat down, doesn't matter what we are, right, if you've ever coached a sport, you get burned out sometime, right, okay, and you probably, before you stopped it, you were probably burned out about five years before it, but you just didn't do it, right, Uh, um, and so, uh, or if you're anybody that, remember the first day you went to your job, how much you loved it, how exciting you were, and then, now you need a, fresh, a breath of fresh air because it's a little bit taxing, uh, a little bit treacherous, a little bit, uh, little bit uh, exhausting, right? Um, anybody get married and you remember that walking? No, we're not even going there today. Um, but sometimes we need that as well. In our relationships, we need fresh air. We need something new. We need to revive some areas in there. We need to get our breath back in some of these areas. So what I'm going to share over the next uh, seven weeks, what we're going to share together, is seven principles of fresh air. Several fresh air principles over the next few weeks. And today, what I want to start talking with is it says, stuck in the doldrums. How many have ever heard the term doldrums? Okay. Now, when we talk about doldrums, it's usually a time of depression, a time where we feel kind of stuck, a time where we're stagnant, um, that we're just kind of going through the motions of something, right? Is that is that a pretty good assessment of the doldrums? Like, we're just kind of... hmm, hmm yeah. Here, you just go through the stuff and exist doing it now um, i don 't know if, if, if anybody 's ever ever dealt with this, but we recognize that in our society, depression and being stuck and just kind of just existing in this doldrum thing is is perpetual. Um, just because I'm a pastor, don't think that I don't go through doldrums. A lot of times, sometimes what statistics are showing, because you're a pastor, you go through those even more, because it tends to be lonely at times. And there have been several times in my life, and over the last 22 years, um, and even before, the last 22 years of ministry, and even those years before, where I was stuck and I felt stuck. I felt like I was just existing. Now, it's really kind of cool because we get that term actually from, it's actually a maritime or a sailing term, and it comes from an area. There's an area, the doldrums, um, is a nickname for it. You ready for this name? It's called the intertropical convergent zone. Ooh, I'm a brain up here. I just got in my notes, right? Um, the intertropical convergent zone. Anybody ever heard of this? Okay. Now, in this area, it's where it's near the equator, where the southern hemisphere's winds go a different way, and the northern hemisphere's go another way, and they converge on this area. Now, here's what happens. One wind's coming one way, one wind's coming the other way, and it's an area where there's nothing. Now, what it will do, there's no, there's no wind. What it used to happen is sailors that were headed through there would get stuck in this area, the doldrums, which is about five degrees north and five degrees south, and they would get stuck there. Before you had uh, motor-powered, you would get stuck there and even die. And here's what happens. Because those different winds come together, it's also an area of a lot of storms. So isn't that perfect for how some of us may have felt in our lives that we're stuck in the doldrums, we're kind of, there's no air to have us go one way or the other and yet the storms of life just seem to be all around us and we can't get out. And sadly, many people who got stuck in the physical doldrums ended up dying there, exhausted, trying to get out of it and no air, no life, and they just died right in this area of the middle of the earth. And so like for many of us, we are stuck in the doldrums, and our life feels like it's adrift, just sitting there waiting for the storms of life to decide when we're going to drown. So what do we do? And I want to share this. What do we do when we're stuck in the doldrums? How do we, how, what, do we, what are some of the practices we put in when we're, when we're stuck in the doldrums? Well, first thing is, and that's the first one in your bulletin, you start faking it. You start faking it. You don't want anybody to know you're kind of stuck in life or you're in the middle of these storms. And you, so you want people to think, how many of you like to know that people, that, that people think that you have it all together? How many are pretty good at, at faking people out or think you are? How many are not good, but you think you are? Okay. Like, for instance, I've got this face that people go, what's wrong? Nothing. Like, and I'll say, no, nothing. I'm fine. How many have ever said, I'm fine, and realize it's a complete mess Um, When we're here, we like to think that we have everything all together and we try to hide it in that stuckness. You know, all hell could be breaking loose. Like, for instance, you may have got ready for church this morning, and you may have fought with the kids. You may have yelled. You may have screamed. You may have looked to put on whatever you're going to put on. You may have been running out the door, and as soon as you walk in the parking lot, oh, God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, amen. Oh, it's wonderful. How's life? Oh, it's wonderful, sister. It's wonderful, brother. We go through those whole kind of things. We have this kind of like churchy language speak to make make it go away. We do that every day of life where all hell can be breaking loose in our own life, and we just go, well, how are you? I'm fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You know." And we go through this time and time again. In other words, it's, kind of, it's it, epidemic proportions that we like to work on. We even have a terminology for it, our game face. Right? We put on the game face that everything's good. How many of you have ever said, I just put on the game face and get up every day and go to work. I put on the game face and I go, I put on the game face. I don't like it, but I put on the game face. We have that and we think that's something good with us. We think putting on the game face is a strength when actually it's weak. People in the doldrums could have said, yeah, one day we're going to get out of this. Yes, one day the wind's going to come and they still die, right? And so many of us end up in this situation where we try to put a Band-Aid over a broken leg and we think that it's going to go away, but it never does. Never does at all. I'm reminded in my demented history of watching movies of Monty Python, where they had the, the, the uh, knight who would go ahead and he would fight, and they'd cut off his arm and he'd say, "'Tis merely a flesh wound, I've had worse." And he go ahead and they cut off his other arm. Tis me, a flesh wound. I've had worse. Come and fight me. I'll kick you. You know. And then they cut off his legs. He'd say, Come back. I'll bite you. You know. What I mean, he just refused to admit that he was in a bad situation. And so many of us try to fake it and get through life. It, Jeremiah talked about this, and what a better person to talk about this when he's talking to the clergy and the leaders of the day. He said, "They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace. They say." When there is no peace. In other words, you have people that say, hey, it's all good. It's all wonderful. And everything's going to be wonderful and beautiful. And if you just say hallelujah enough, it's all going to go away. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. And it doesn't. You can say peace, 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 but there's no peace. The wound is still there. Jeremiah said there is a wound that is, that is getting infested and getting, um, getting infected. And the people are just acting like it's not even there. It's all good. Just smile and it'll go away. If you stay there and fake it, you'll end up in a bad situation. I'll be honest, there have been times over my life where I thought I had to fake it and put on the game face to do something, yet inwardly I was so so, um, depressed and so pulled, even felt so distant from God myself, and yet had to do the job and put on the game face like everything's okay. All right? So we fake it. But if you stay there, pretty soon you'll end up in the section of the second thing that you'll do. You'll end up beginning to put it off. In other words, you'll say, it'll be better tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day. It'll be better tomorrow. Tomorrow's going uh, to be better. It has to be. The sun, we'll we, we start singing Annie themes. The sun will come out tomorrow. Still miserable for the girl, right? So that's how we exist. We exist in this Annie Pollyanna kind of life. And we believe the lie, and this lie is this, that time heals. Time actually does not heal. Time actually makes things worse if you don't deal with it. For instance, if you had, a, if you had um, some kind of wound in your body and you said, just let it go, I'll check it out in a couple months, maybe a year later, and I'm sure it's going to heal up, chances are it will get worse, right? We hear now when we live in this time of MRSA infections, right? Where if it's not treated, and I heard a doctor share that they, they were about uh, for this one strand of MRSA, they were about two antibiotics above what it is. So if it mutates, then they're only one above, and they've got to get another development. That's how close and how serious some of these things are. All right? So if we just let it go and say, it's all right, my body will heal itself, we're messing with danger. And before we know it, um, we, when we keep putting it off, it makes it, it makes it an untreated wound, gets worse infection. This is what, look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. See to it that no one misses out on the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows to cause any trouble and defile many. Now, how many of you have, you know, we're getting to this kind of of year where we go out and we see what the winter has done to our flower beds and to everything else, and we start to look and we go, about that time. Okay, the weeds tend to grow. How many many go weeds better than grass? Okay, good. I don't want you coming to my house. I got enough I'm doing better on that myself. Weed. I remember one time I bought this bag of soil, and it had thistle in it. And what does thistle do? It's like, yay, I'm free! And it just goes all over the place. You keep ripping it out, ripping it out, and what does it keep doing? Growing more. It's, it's like, why can't grass be like that? Why can't grass be like that often? So here you have this, this whole thing. How many of you have ever had a situation? You have a weed. What do you do? Pull it out, okay? So that's not bad. How many of you have had a root in an area that you want to get out? and before you know it you're trying to rip out this root and before you know it you're getting a stump and your whole yard's torn out for this little tiny root that you started pulling out right and so what it says here is this is exactly the, the same thing you can you can we treat weeds and roots like we do weeds so we have we have a root in our life that is something that we need to deal with that is that is keeping us um, stagnant in the doldrums we try to rip it out like a weed and all we do is it creating more and more of a mess and so what it says here in hebrews is let no bitter root grow up and cause trouble to many and defile many and what begins to happen after we we just say oh the sun will come up tomorrow it'll be better tomorrow we end up getting to this third pattern where we give up we give up If I had five cents for every person who came to church and then eventually gave up on on God and gave up in life, I would be a very, 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 very wealthy man, unfortunately. I've known people who've lost jobs, who've lost family members, who came to God, wanted to get connected to God, grew. We've had people even in our own church that were connected, connected, and then something happened in life, and they gave up on God and everything else. It's so sad to see that. So many have said, I'm done. I've had enough. I don't know if the name uh, Pete Wilson rings to anybody, but Pete Wilson was the pastor of a very large, rapid growing church in the United States called Cross Point. Cross Point Community Church was um, one that many churches looked to as the model of church growth and church life. And several, uh, uh, two years ago in 2016, Pete Wilson shocked. The Christian community by standing up one day in church and saying um, saying that when most of you only see me on Sunday morning, and particularly if you're part of online church, you only see what I do on Sunday mornings. He said, but most of ministry is done Monday through Saturday. And he said, I have been leading from empty. And he said, and when you leave from empty, you don't lead at all. And he resigned the church that he started and led for 14 years, and he said, I'm broken and I'm empty. And he shocked the world. It's of epidemic proportions that when you look around, not in clergy and also people in other kinds, you see that people who just say they're done. And I would lie to you if I said that there's been multiple times in my life where I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm worn out. I'm lonely. I'm tired. I'm done. Because the weight of of ministry, when you take it on yourself, and you, you make it on your, uh, put it on yourself, like it does in many fields in life, you tend to reach this point when you've gone through this area of where you said uh, you start faking it, and then you start try to put it off until tomorrow. It gets worse and worse every day, and you begin to lose hope, and you say, I give up. You see, people have done that throughout history. People give up on God. They give up on their marriage. They give up on their friends. They give up on their family members. And it all settles in the pattern that they've had and they lose hope, and they think, I'm just gonna have to be miserable for the rest of my life. Now, some people are miserable for the rest of their lives, but some people feel that they are so hopeless that their entire life existence has to be miserable for the rest of their lives, all right? Now, think about that. Think about how that stands in complete contrast to what Jesus said, that I came that you may have life and have it abundantly into the full, right? But yet, there are so many people that call themselves Christians, that live in this stagnant doldrum area. And if they aren't careful, they'll be like Job. And look what Job says here. Job says, and Job dealt with a lot. You know, a lot of people talk about the patience of Job, and I'll give him a thumbs up. He did some whining and complaining, but if it was the book of Jack, there would have been a heck of a lot more complaining and whining to what happened there. But look what Job says. Where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? How many of you have ever been in a situation or just in a time in life where you saw no hope in front of you? It just seemed hopeless, like nothing was going to happen in the future. Like you were just stuck in your existence. And you were going to be miserable for the rest of your life. Isn't it it easy, though? I know several times some of the things that people have come to me in counseling, I am awesome at. I am good at helping people see in their lives. But guess what? You put a mirror up against my face, I am like, right? I don't know what to do. I know the answers. I, I, it's been no secret that I found an awesome counselor for me. And some of the things she laughs a lot of the times because she'll start, I'll say something to her. And when she starts to tell me something that she wants to say, I'll give her the answer. And she goes, if you crack me up. Every time I start to say something, you come up with the answer. I said, I know. I know, but I know what I'm going to say. I don't like the fact that I know what I say. I don't do it, but I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I don't want to do it What I know what I need to do. And so she goes back and forth, and she helps me with those things. It's awesome to have somebody who could care less of anything about me, but then just to help me in that realm. And I'm a major proponent of counseling. I think it's awesome. God never told us to suck it up in life. And so what we tend to do, we see other people's problems, don't they? Men, you're really good at this. Like, for instance, historically, men, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, how can I, um, you know, hey, I've been dealing with this, we're immediately pulling out our tool belt to fix it, right? We're like, well, have you gone to talk to that person? Have you said this to that person? And sometimes, historically, it may be different, men and women. It's not just all across the board. But sometimes, somebody just wants to say, I'm going through some stuff. Shut up and just listen. Men, we just want to fix it and have it go away, don't we? Right? And some of you ladies may be like that as well. The relationships may be reversed. But with, as in Job, it's often we can't see the forest because of the trees. We are existing in our own situation. And if we're not careful, ultimately you can experience number four. You die. Some people physically. Some people have checked out to the point that they go ahead and they make the selfish choice ever. Suicides in the United States from 1999 to 2014 rose 24%. 1% to 2% per year since 2006. The highest age affected, adolescent girls, and men 45 to 64. The highest. areas. Uh, I found a, a recent article in doing some research, and the article was, um, was shocking to me. And the article was titled, Why Are So Many Pastors Committing Suicide? It said, talks about Pastor Isaac Hunter, the son of an advisor to President, then President Obama. Took his own life. Um, he, he he was. Um, there was a pastor who was grieving his his wife who had just passed away, who shot himself in front of his mother and his son. Um, the Schaefer Institute also reported that eighty percent of seminary and Bible school graduates leave the ministry within the next five years. Suicidal thoughts are numerous causes. Um, According to the Mayo Clinic, uh, most often suicidal thoughts are the result of feeling that you can't cope with what you're faced with and what seems to be an overwhelming situation. If you don't have hope for the future, you may mistakenly think that suicide is an option. You see, they're in the doldrums, exactly. They're in the physical doldrums. Nearly 8.3 million adults age 18 or older in the United States have suicidal thoughts. It's of epidemic proportions, of epidemic proportions. I remember one year it came out in this mailer I get about this pastor of a church who um, went to a church meeting and then went back to his parsonage, the church-owned house, walked around back, um, said goodnight to his family, walked around back and shot himself. Didn't show any signs of anything. And a matter of fact, the day before, he had given a message. I actually downloaded that message and listened to it. And it was you could hear all these four things that we're talking about. It is of epidemic proportions to a nature where we can't even begin to begin to look at um, and, it, and it's not a respecter of size of church or anything else. It's not a respecter of, of um, economic position or, um, or race. it's across the board because everybody has an opportunity to end up in the doldrums. You know there's some biblical giants who went through some of the same mental, moral some of us may just die mentally, morally, or um, emotionally, or spiritually. And, there's, and the Apostle Paul tells us. He's one of those giants of faith. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And look at what he says here in 2 Corinthians. He said, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even to life. In other words, what is he saying there? I was so despaired, I wished I was dead. This is Paul. Stained glass Paul. Wrote most of the New Testament, Paul. He felt that way. And he said, indeed, our heart, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. He felt like he was already dead. So guess what he needed? A blast of fresh air. We all need a breath of fresh air. If you are stuck in the doldrums, or you may be, the next seven weeks are for you. And if you're not there yet, these next seven weeks, pay attention because... You may get there sometime. You may be cruising along and not know. Because today, I, what I want to do is starting, I want to talk about different principles of fresh air. And today, what I want to talk about is the title, Your Choice. Because I believe we all have choices in life. We, we often make wrong choices when we find ourselves in the doldrums. And basically, what we're dealing with, we're dealing with an external choice or an internal heart choice. And that's what the gospel is about we often approach church and the relationship with christ from backward looking if i do so much then i'll be good with god rather than get good with god and allow him to guide the rest of our lives and so like for instance if you're a parent parenting is kind of you're riding this balance of choice for instance when they're a certain age you can force them to do things right and the younger they are, the somewhat the easier it is. You can like I don't go pick Jacob up now and say you have a timeout, sit here, sit, count to sit on the on the step, um, or or count to uh, you're there for half an hour. He'd probably go what, right? Or laugh or say something else. We don't do that anymore with the older ones. But what I'm saying is we have a choice, and and the choice is this: we want to if we. Tr- Train our children out of fear. You do this or else because I am God to you. Then when they get freedom, what are they going to do? Be free, right? How many of us did our parents tell us, no, you're a reflection of me. You blah, 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 blah," kept us in this deal. And when we got free, we went, "Ah." there's a a book about that called Jack Cohen, The Lost Years, if you want to check it out. Um, (laughs) Much of that was in West Virginia, just to let you know. Um, so, but a lot of it occurred right around this neighborhood. Just to, you, you talk to the right people, they'll know. Um, some of you might have been there. Um, but anyway, those are the situations that we experience in life, right? Those are the things that we, we deal. If we have children and we force them, they're going to break through. We can't expect, God does not want our relationship. Many of us grew up in churches where we were to be good or else God was going to get us, Right? And the preacher, if he had a bigger Bible, it meant more, right? Because he had that big pulpit Bible that was like eight pounds, and you're afraid that he was going to hit you in the head with it if you didn't listen. Or he's going to dangle you over the fires of hell if you did not listen. And hell is real, but guess what? If I'm doing an action so I don't get in trouble, eventually when I get free, I'm going to start pressing that until I'm free doing whatever I want to. Same thing in a relationship with God. We can't Keep doing that, and it started from the very beginning, the very beginning of this. Let's look at Genesis chapter nine. There was this choice from the beginning. It says, in the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's the choice. The choice is you can have the tree of life, and we're not talking about like this consistent every day, alarm clock goes off, go to work that kind of. We're talking about the fullness of life. They didn't even have to work. Work was after the curse right? They just got to enjoy the presence of God in whatever way they wanted to. And just everything was provided for them. And it was awesome experience. It was an awesome experience. But they chose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord commanded the man, here we are in 16 and 17, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you, see, when you eat of it, you will surely what? die. And this has been the lie from the beginning. Can you imagine not having a concept of evil or good? Because everything was good, right? When God created, he said, this is good. Everything was good. But once they partook of that, they had an understanding of evil. And now the choice became more difficult. You can choose life or you can choose what ultimately leads to death. And that's what we've been in forever. You see, Satan wants us always to choose the wrong tree. He wants us to always choose death over life. There are many churches that it's not about what you, how, you, how you live inwardly, but about what you do. I mean, anybody ever experienced those churches where you grew up? It was about what you do and how you do it. Um, I want to look at this verse from Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's one of the most powerful verses in all of scripture. And this is going to be a key verse. You're going to get tired of seeing this. And it says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you. What have I set before you? Life and death, blessings and curse. Now what? Now choose life. This is what we are talking about when we talk about fresh air. So today I want to show you, in our remaining time, three choices in different ways. Okay, three choices and how they play out. Okay, everybody good? All right, so here we go. So here's one of our choices. So you're going to get part of a choice, the first part of the choice, and then an or the other part of choice. Everybody good? All right. So the first one is doing more. Doing more. Everybody see doing more. We have a belief that God expects me to do more. Do more and 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 more. Um, We take the spiritual disciplines of prayer and fasting and worship and those things, and we make them a chore in our lives. We make them something that we have to do. Like, for instance, we have our Bible reading. So we go ahead and said, oh, i got to get my Bible reading today. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's see. The word of the Lord. Oh, my gosh. What time? i got to hurry up. Uh, oh, thank God I got that done. All right, yeah. Oh, gosh, I forgot to pray. Uh, Jesus, yeah, yeah, whatever, watch me. Yeah, awesome. Whoa, check that off. Got that done. Oh, my gosh. Oh, now, now he won't kill me and send me to hell. I got that done. And that's what it becomes. It becomes doing more. And if I do more and more and more, I feel like, I think that I should be better or feel better. We think doing more. I'm sure the people in the doldrums, as they were paddling and paddling and paddling and getting nowhere, thought the more they paddled, the better it was. It's like, have you seen, like, when you're in a current, I've I've read about people that when they are in a current and you're swimming, that the more you try to struggle against the current, the worse it is for you and and the quicker you will drown. You are to go where the current is and then find a way out with the current. We so often want to do more and more and more. And, you know, one time, um, I guess it's interesting, uh, I've, I've heard several messages over the years on prayer, and I remember it popped in my mind, and I remember this one person talking about um, prayer and talking about if you really want godly prayer, you should be like, You know, Jesus went to the disciples and said, you can't pray with me for one hour. Everybody should pray for one hour. I got to tell you as a pastor, that is difficult for me. Five minutes is difficult for this brain that's always over here and here, right? And so I'm like, if I take an hour, I'm going to repeat the same thing I've done for the first three minutes in that 60 minutes, several, several times. Anybody with me? Okay? After a while. If you're praying and you if you feel like you've got an of prayer, you've got to be on your knees, you might need knee replacement surgery after you're done. We put we like to we like to legalize stuff all the time. We so say we need to give more, serve more, 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 more. And in some cases, if we look at our lives, if we're doing nothing, then maybe we do need to do something more than nothing. But by doing more. And when churches say, we need more of this, you're not giving enough, you're not serving enough, you're not doing this enough, you're not that enough, before that, we burn out. Anybody ever burned out? One of the things I pride myself in now is I've learned, it took me 20 some years, but there are, are people that are busy in this church, and if you see some of them, I have gone to them and said, no, you need to stop. No, you don't need to step into that. But I really know you need to take a break. I don't want you to burn out. I've said it, haven't I? I've said it because I'm cognizant of it, because I want you to be in the area that God has gifted you for. Like if you're a foot, you can't be an ear. That would be really weird. Okay, in the body of Christ, it can't be that way. I want you to take your gift in this. I do want you to connect because this whole church thing is about you finding your God-given gift and talent to contribute to the body of Christ so the body of Christ is stronger, so that this world that is dying can understand Jesus Christ in a way that God has gifted you. That's exciting to me. And that you will find that zone and be like, yes, I found where I want to be. Like, for instance, Keith played, Becky sang. We will not reverse that on this last song. (laughs) It would make a heck of a benediction because if Keith starts singing and Becky starts playing, you are out of this church quicker than anybody. Am I right? Because she's gifted to bring in song. He's gifted in to play multiple instruments. And I just got to say, we have been blessed from day one in my house of the musical talent in this church. And so that is the body of Christ working together, not doing more. So we can do more or we can receive what has already been done. Jesus already accomplished it on the cross. Nothing you do is going to make you more saved Let me say that again. Nothing you do, because a lot of churches have this warped sense. Nothing you do is going to make you more saved. You either are or not. It's like being a little bit pregnant. So you either are or not. Jesus already accomplished. You can't pay for what Jesus has already paid the price for. And he gives it to you freely if you'll just accept him as your Lord and Savior. It's always wrong to pull the first choice. In Jesus' day, it was no different. In John chapter 5, listen to what he says. He says to the religious people of the day, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. He's not saying it's wrong to read the scriptures. He's saying you you study and 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 you study. He says these are the scriptures that testify about who? Me. Jesus said, these things testify about me, and you're spending so much time studying them, you're missing me. And some of us have had so many Bible studies that we haven't seen Jesus. We've studied so much, we forget to stop and to let him love us and us to love him and have a relationship and encounter with him. You see, it's not about finding the words and studying the stuff. I know people have said, I've read through the Bible, through the, the Bible, Ten times, and I still don't believe. Maybe because you, you, you know about him, but you don't know him. You see, that's the breath of fresh air where Jesus says, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. Jesus is the giver of life, not the words. Number two, the next thing that we can do, we can try to get God's approval. We can. Th- some of us grew up in thinking that God is that big guy in the sky with the frowny face and the white hair and the flowing robe and the lightning bolt ready to part our hair if we did anything wrong. Anybody? Like, oh, I'm going to get you. Um, I remember, like, anybody old enough to remember Bible tracts? As they handed out, they were little pamphlets that you'd hand out. And they were they were good. Some of them were good, but there were some of them, a lot of them never had a face on them. Right, you remember? And God was always depicted in like some big chair, like, <laughs> with no face. And as I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the no face God. Is it frowny? Is it happy? Is it what? I always thought that God was faceless, ready to like, lightning bolt. So you had that kind of view. I knew God was loving, but I always had this in the back of my head thinking God's just waiting to get me, that he's judgmental. And so if you try your life to seek God's approval, I'm going to tell you something. You ready? you're going to mess up and you're not going to get it. Because what we do is called sin. That's not God. So we can try to get God's approval or we can receive God's love for us. You see, God already loves you. Let me, give you, let me tell you something. You ready for this one? God saw what you did this last week. And he still loves you. God knew you were going to do that And he still loves you. He doesn't like it, but he loves you. What happened after Adam and Eve sinned? They hid. What did God do? He went looking for them. God is looking for you. No matter what you've done, I don't care what it is. We're the ones who like to rank stuff. God says, all have sinned and fall short of my glory. He is looking for you. Look at what Romans tells us. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Died for us. He loved you before. You see, if God has a picture frame, when it was one of those ones with all the circles, you're in it. If you're on God's refrigerator, isn't that cool? Tell somebody that. Tell somebody today, I'm on God's refrigerator and see if it weirds them out. All right? It's not conditional. He loved you before you sought forgiveness. He sent his son to die before Jack was ever born. But he knew all the sins I was going to commit, and he still loved me. Number three, you can, be, you can experience obeying out of duty. Like, for instance, some of us grew up where we couldn't miss Sunday school because we needed all those pins so that we could sing, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Right? Remember that one? guys looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) Am I that old? You don't remember that? But you'd have the pins and they'd be here and like, I didn't miss. And if you went away, you better grab a bulletin from that other church because you weren't going to get that pin and you needed to add that little pin down here, right? Now, those things are kind of cool, but I'm saying we did things out of duty. Often you wouldn't miss church. And believe me, I think people should be in church, but often you wouldn't do it because you were, again, that that idea of of God's going to get you. And often, if you grew up in a church, which fortunately I was blessed with my father, and so it was always entertaining and always, always connected to the gospel, but I have been to some churches and some services where, and hopefully today is not one of them, where the experience is so painful, you can't wait for it to be over. I remember my dad and I were at a clergy meeting years ago, and it was such a miserable thing. And they had this big, like, sculptor in the back, and Jesus was standing there like this. And I elbowed my dad, and I said, Look he's bored and and mad too. And and we started laughing and we were joking back and forth. How many of you have ever been part of a church service where you're like, is this hell? All right. (laughs) So I'm just thinking of multiple ones, sorry. Um, So, um, but a lot of us think, a a lot of our view is, okay, well, I'm in church, so if it's painful, then I'm getting some extra jewels in my crown when I get to heaven. Okay, that's good, Okay. Okay, thank you, Jesus. Remember that was really bad, really bad. I remember when (laughs) I remember when I went to a. Thing to San Diego with a, at a pastor's conference. I went there, and they were going to have this new style of contemporary worship. And I was so excited. And I was going to rent a car. I was actually going to go to Mosaic Church. If anybody's heard of Erwin McManus, I was going to go to his church. I was going to rent a car and go an hour north and see this like church that I knew was good. And somebody talked me and said, "No, this is like a cutting edge church. They're doing they're doing contemporary worship." I said, "All right." And you know, this is like early early nineties. So I went ahead. I went to this service, and I walked in, and they had like a bed sheet up front. And they had some people who looked like they learned to play guitars and drums the day before. And I was sitting there, and um, I was so mad. I was actually mad in worship. They're playing, like, songs, and I'm mad. And I I remember the person who told me to go was not there. And alongside, they had Hispanic worship, because they put the the Hispanic um, people in Southern California that were part of this church in another part of the building. And they were worshiping there. And I remember storming out. I was so mad, I went, And she she goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Hispanic worship. And I walked in, and I sat down. I understood. I I speak some Spanglish, but I understood some of it. But most of it I didn't understand, but it was an incredible experience of worship. And I left a place where I was ticked off. I was ticked off in worship. I was a pastor at the point. I was mad that I went to worship. Anybody ever been to that point? So I thought, God, give me some more crowns. And I was mad, and I looked at it. I said, I was going to go to a church and have fun, and you ruined it. Right? Think of it, you know, sometimes, sometimes many of us have, it may not be the church, it may be the Christian. Anybody ever met some Christians that are just mean? Oh, wow, that got, I should have started with that today. All right, um, that they're just mean. And maybe they're mean because they really want to sin, but they know they can't. I don't know, maybe that's it. Um, maybe they're just mean. There's some people who are just like passively aggressive mean. There's some people who are just outright nasty mean. You know, you, everybody ever sat in the church with him? Um, I, I was thinking about some of this. I remember when my friend and I were ushering as kids, and my friend came up to this lady, and it was like a revival service, and, you know, they thought, oh, cool, we'll get the teenagers involved. And So he's passing around, and he walks to this lady, and she looks at him and goes, that gum in your mouth looks ridiculous. He's like, he's like and he was like brand new Christian, Right? But she felt she had to engage herself in that, in that point of view. I remember one time when I was preaching at a church. It was at a homecoming, but it was at a church that I was never part of. So it was kind of weird. But they asked me to speak there. So I, I spoke at this thing and did the, did the message. It was going out. People were shaking hands with me. And this one lady comes up to me and she goes, Cohen, that's Jewish, right? I said, yes, it is. She goes, huh. Well, I guess we like you anyway. All right. God bless you too, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we, the, I remember when I was a little kid standing there, my dad was a guest speaker. And I was real little and they're shaking hands. Dad gave this sermon and this man came out and called dad every name in the book, shaking hands with him. And the pastor was like, didn't know what to do. And he was apologizing. Dad was like, eh, that's fine. I guess I won't see you later. You know, uh, like this kind of thing. So you can obey out of duty. Can obey out of duty, or you know, because I gotta tell you, the Bible is hard, we can't do it ourselves, we can't do it ourselves, or we can obey out of delight, out of just joy. Just say it's, it's, it's joy. In First John, he tells us that's he said, when we love God, his commands are not burdensome. Okay, I heard somebody once say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and then do whatever you please, because if you do whatever you please, if, if you love, really love God, you'll do what pleases Him, okay? It's a, it's a different view of life. Um, out of love, we do stuff. How many of us have ever done stuff out of love that we don't want to do? But that after we do it, we're like, wow, that seems kind of cool. Um, John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And there's two choices in this. In this. You can look at it two different ways. If, if you love me, you'll do what I command. Or you can look at it this: if you love me, you're going to do what I command. See, it's two different approaches that we can look there. When we're in love, it becomes who you are, not what you do. And so in the, in the book here, in chapter 3, I put the book here. In this book, Chris Hodges mentions something that um, was actually a movie in the year I was born. Um, a movie called Fiddler on the Roof. Right, And there's a couple different songs in there that kind of stood out to me. And like, it, 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 how many of you have ever seen uh, the play or... Um, the movie Fiddler on the Roof, okay? What it's about, it's about an early 1900s Russian Jewish family, and the father's struggle with his five daughters, God bless him, right? Five daughters, and into the Jewish tradition, they would go ahead and they would match and find a, a spouse for them, okay? So that's where this one first song comes over. Ready? Here we go. Ready, Melinda?
0: Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a fine, catch me a cat. Night after night, in the dark, I'm alone. So find me a match
4: of
1: my own. All right, there we go. Okay, you understand? So they're singing. Thanks, thanks very much. All right. Well, it must it must be really bad today. Okay, um, so, but but they're thinking match, make a match because they want a match. They want to have this spouse. They're a poor family, and they, the job was to get. If you got a wealthy family, then the fa- they would help everybody. So they were excited about this. But there tends to be this problem that begins to happen. They begin to fall in love with people that were not the match that their father found out for them. Okay, so then his answer is this. <laughs> Tradition.
4: Tradition. tradition! tradition!
1: Tradition! Tradition! I don't know why he holds his hands like that, but he does, right? Am I, am I right? Okay, so tradition, that he says tradition its what keeps us uh, in line, it gets, keeps us straight. Tradition. tradition! 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 Okay, got it? I'll make you come up and do it if you don't like it, Okay. All right, my kids are going to be like, what the heck? Okay, so, all right, so tradition. He says it's the outward thing that keeps us together. It solves all the problems. But then as he's having this conflict with his daughters, who're saying, but we love this person. We want to marry for love. We want to marry for love. And the matchmaker's got to say, old, ugly guy. We want to go ahead and marry somebody who we're in love with. Love comes from here, not from out here. And he begins to start to think he and his wife have been together for, for 25 years. And he starts to ask her a question and starts to think, does she love me? Because they were put together by Master Baker, And so you have this song.
2: But do you love me?
1: Do I
4: love you? Well. For 25 years, I've washed your clothes,
0: cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked your cow.
1: After 25 years, why talk about love right now? Okay. He says, but do you love me? Now, first when he says it, she says, you're stupid. (laughs) I don't hear that. That's just a dumb question. He says, but do you love me? And how does she answer him? For 25 years, I've washed your clothes, I've got your kids, I've milked your cows, I've done this. She focuses on the outward actions. He wants to know inwardly, do you love me? Jesus is asking you today, what do you love me? You say, well, Jesus, for 46 years, I went to church. For 46 years, I sat in Sunday school. I sang in church when my mom made me. I went ahead and got an MDiv, and now I'm a preacher. I've been a good boy, by and large, except for those couple years. But do you love me? well, I left a church and started one. I went ahead and I do this and I talk to people and I've led disciples a billion different times and I have blah, blah, blah. But do you love me? Jesus is asking us all the same question today. But do you love me? What do you answer? Do you answer, well, I'm sitting here today and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But do you love me? It's not about this stuff around here. It's about what's going on here. I'm not going to talk too much about this verse. It's in your bulletin. But Jesus goes into this whole thing about not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Many will say, Lord, didn't we prophesy, but do you love me? Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? In your name, cast out demons and perform miracles. He said, but you didn't love me. See, eternal life has nothing to do with the stuff, but with a relationship with Jesus Christ. What we need to do is fall in love with Christ. We need to fall in love with God. Falling in love with God is like falling in love with another person. When we fall in love with another person, we want to spend time with them, we think about them. When we have special events like birthdays and anniversaries, we think about that in advance. And we just enjoy the time where we just get to spend with him. So I want to share with you fresh air principle number one today. It's simply this. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with him. Don't just make it something like, ah, it's 10 o'clock. I'm, going, I'm in church. Okay, it's 1120. Time to be done. Because he's saying to you, but do you love me? But do you love me? We all need Fresh air. So we're going to be spending time this week really getting this fresh air. I challenge you today, go ahead and get the book. Go ahead and connect with us. I want your relationship with Jesus to be as brand new as it was the beginning, or if you never had a relationship with Jesus, have an awesome early relationship. Amen? Amen? All right, stand up. Beck and Keith, come on up here. I think that's about it for my show tunes. You're going to be singing, I I wanted to do, if I were a rich man, but anyway, I did it anyway. Okay, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the people that are here and the people that are watching online, that God, you ask us today, but do you love me? Greater love has no one than this, and he laid down his life for his friend. We celebrated that last week at Good Friday. We experienced the, the fullness of the resurrection, and God, today you're just asking me, but do you love me? But do you love me? So, God, may we not just say, but I did this, and I did that, and I do that. May we just say, yes, I love you. You know my heart, and I love you. Let's just experience that today. God, if there's somebody here who's never really given their life to Jesus, what, that, what does that mean? That just means that I mess up. I'm in the doldrums, and that I'm stuck. It may not be horrific, but I'm stuck. And I need a breath of fresh air to bring me life. Or am just going to sit here and I'm going to eventually die in the doldrums. God, bring this new life through your Holy Spirit into your people here today. For those who don't know you, let them just say, hey, right now, God, I, I, I'm tired of being stuck and I just need, I need your air. I need your wind. I need to feel a newness in life. I need like a, a, a to go ahead and have a newness, and to be revived. Revive me, God. Revive us. For those of us who may have been um, in this faith journey for a while, but somehow we got stuck in our own doldrums, God, breathe new life, new breath into us today. We are resurrection Christians, not Good Friday Christians. So God, let us just live that way. Whatever it is. You know, if if you're just where where you are and you just want to make the altar of where you are, that's awesome. If you want to pray with anyone up here, that's even awesome too. But whatever it is, God, just let us come to you. Let's not leave this room without, without seeking you and getting another just breath of fresh air. In your name we pray, amen. Bob, we were saying it just like just like having them play today just switched it up enough that we that just was a breath of fresh air, wasn't it? It was just, it was just great. I mean, like I said, every time, awesome guys, good job, good job, good job. And, and uh, now for our benediction, Keith will sing. Um, <laughs> no, right, Keith. <laughs> All right. So, but but awesome. So I, again, you can sign up back here. Um, Debbie, you're gonna go meet them out there or whatever. Um, so we'll go ahead. Love for you to sign up. Don't forget the chains. Um, If you're willing to help give to to that. Next week, we're going to have our next message and it's going to be called Catch Your Breath. So we're going to talk about a lot of breathy things uh, during this series. So um, we're going to have Catch Your Breath. Have an awesome week in Jesus and go watch uh, Fiddler on the Roof.
4: (laughs) I can count i